You're listening to the See the Upside podcast, where we talk about overcoming obstacles, choosing positivity, and doing life a little better every day. I'm your podcast host, Nina Bleicher. On the show, we share real stories and speak with industry experts about how to expand and grow through difficult change. We don't always get to choose the challenges that show up in our life, but we do get to decide how we view them. In those hard moments, there are always beautiful invitations. That's what See the Upside podcast is all about. Navigating the hard moments, but then finding the opportunity to heal, grow, and connect. I'm so grateful you're here and can't wait to share these conversations with you. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on the See the Upside podcast. Today on the show, we have Connie Graff, who is Swiss, but lives in Vancouver. Very interesting combination. I had the pleasure of speaking some German with her because she is Swiss, but speaks German. Some people in Switzerland speak French. You probably speak both, Connie, right? Or just German? I wish I would still speak French. I, I can understand a lot, but I, when I'm trying to speak, I may start the sentence in French and end it in English and everybody looks confused. So. Yes. Oh, my mom does that too. Does a lot of blending of languages. <laughs> yes. We ca- used to call it jerglish because she yeah. would talk half English, half German. Yeah. <laughs> so that's very funny. I can relate. Well, anyway, Connie is a certified clutter clearing practitioner, amongst other things, but that's kind of going to be our focus today. And she helps people become clutter-free in all areas of their life, from home to office to finance and beyond. And the beyond is really probably what we're going to focus and talk about the most, that having a cluttery home or office or bedroom or whatever it is really means so much more than just the clutter and what it can do for you. Kind of the positive part of it is how it can change your life when you decide to make some changes in that area. So thank you for joining. Well, thank you for having me, Nina. I'm very excited to talk about all the things clutter. Yes. So how did you get into this? Like, let's start. I love to start with hearing everybody's story and how they got into their specialty, because there's usually a reason, you know, a personal Mm. story behind it. Yeah, there is. So I always joke and say I was born organized, (laughs) but that's more a joke. So when I was young, when I was maybe even only 10 to 12 years old, I would already kind of sense and feel how the environment has an effect on us. Mm -hmm. So I was lucky enough to have my own room to grow up, but it was like tiny, tiny, tiny. So I would constantly rearrange my few furniture that I had in there. I would declutter before anybody even knew there was a thing of decluttering. I would just like rearrange things, letting go of things, mostly because I felt how I feel better afterwards or how I feel different. Sometimes I didn't feel better. I just felt different. But of course, I couldn't like back then, like I said, nobody talked about decluttering. So I ended up in finance and I was um, a long time in corporate in finance. I 
quit my job and became a financial consultant. And the more I was actually helping these people with their finances from small businesses to big corporations, it kind of happened naturally that I also helped them create a more supporting environment where they worked in, not just in their finances, but on their desk or in their filing system or just in general, come more organized so that the work worked easier or the flow easier, like let's say like that. And then when I moved to Canada, one of the things in our world is that when you are an expert or have a certificate in one country, that often doesn't mean a thing in another country. And so I ended up here and my financial degrees didn't mean a thing. And I didn't feel like going through all the training again. So I just happened. It wasn't really that much intentional. So then I also took some extra training with one of the heroes from my early days who she wrote a book uh, about decluttering. And so then I took some extra training. And so that's kind of how I slipped into this more and more. I still do finance too. It became softer now. So I'm, I'm kind of like, how can you say it? Like when you're in corporate, it's everything is so maybe even um, harsh sometimes also. With it's like clutter. rigid and structured. Rigid, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. That's the word. Thank you so much, Nina. And and now I'm just, I'm helping people get organized. And I often say decluttering is self-love. So I look at it from like I did when I was a little girl, how does the environment make us feel? And with environment, I mm. mean the physical environment, obviously, but also maybe the digital environment, the social environment we're living in, how you feel emotionally, mm -hmm. how, how your mental state is, how your gremlins in your brain tell you negative <laughs> things, you know? So that's all kind connected. of how, how it all yeah. happened. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's so interesting. When we were on our prep call, we talked a little bit about the fact that I think one of the reasons I was drawn to you is over Christmas week, I happened to have off. I had a trip that got canceled due to the Southwest delays that happened here in Phoenix. And I ended up with this week of time. And I listened to a book called The Worthiness Project by Meadow DeVore, I think is her name. It's really about self-worth and, and self-love and self-care. And a part of what she talks about in the book is how where we live and how we surround ourselves is a reflection of the worthiness within. And I won't go too deep into it. I'll put the link to the book because it was a free audiobook on Audible and I loved it. It was super inspiring, but it really kind of got me going through my whole house and I was, the act was decluttering, but it was so much more. It was about surrounding myself with things that lifted me up and made me feel good. I think sometimes we have so much stuff that we become desensitized to the energy it's putting into us or taking out of us, even the vibe that it's creating and how fresh and light it can become once you kind of break free of those things that either are connecting you to old things that you don't want to be connected to, maybe old relationships or old memories or times or beliefs about yourself or whatever it is, 
you can pack that stuff up and get rid of it. But sometimes we struggle with doing that. So yeah, it was just interesting that we ended up getting connected right when I went through that. Yeah, and you're so right. And I love that you came to it from a different angle that had like the book technically had nothing to do with decluttering, right? I mean, it had to yeah, do with exactly. And but that's exactly it. This is also one of the reasons why I often say decluttering is self-love, because when we're actually slowing down and looking around and looking or becoming aware what we're tolerating in our environment, you know, like mm. some people say that they don't mind the chaos in their home, but they're just, like you said, so desensitized, <laughs> I can't say the word, desensitized, mm -hmm. and also maybe overwhelmed by all the, the things and sucks the energy right out of them. And that's why they can't do it. And if you start on the outside, it has an effect on the inside and vice versa. So I always say like, there's so much more to clutter than we think. And it has so much to do with how we look at ourselves, how we take care of ourselves, how we think about ourselves. Mm. And that's why I'm saying decluttering is self-love. But I, I love that you came there through self-worth, which in a way we could say it's the same or similar at least. It ties in for sure. And as we're talking, I'm kind of thinking like this decluttering could apply to non-physical things in a lot of different ways. Like in my mind, I'm thinking I'm in sales and decluttering how many accounts I'm going after at a time. Like in sales, you do have to have a lot of irons in the fire and always be filling your pipeline. But whatever you're giving attention to is taking up time and energy. And you really do have to learn how to prioritize what is going to fit in. And the same thing could apply to dating. Like, you know, I'm single right now and, you know, you get on these dating apps and having 10 people that you're talking to gets confusing. It taps your energy and you can't give the best version of you to the really good ones that you're interested in and you like. So I think it's becoming aware of that, that, when you're decluttering, you're allowing so much more of yourself to the things that are important. What do you think about that? Like, what's your take on that? Yeah, that's that's totally true. And I love that you made the connection to sales or to dating or to with the dating. That's what I call social clutter. The sales mm. part. I don't know how we would want to call that. It's also in a way business clutter or social clutter. And that's, it's a little bit how as a society we are right now. No, like we're on social media, we're constantly bombarded with everything. And then we think yeah. too, like the more the merrier, which is often not true because we overwhelm ourselves. And like you said, we can't yeah. bring our best self tend to, then to each individual person. For example, when you're talking about dating or business when you're talking about sales, no, like you're not bringing your best, you're kind of like scrambling and trying to fit in as many as possible instead of focusing on quality. And that's also where you're burning yourself out. Maybe you're not being your best self or you're not offering the highest quality to the other person. Yeah. It has a lot of negative. I, I don't like to just do negative and positive, but it has a lot of downsides to it. And I think when yeah. we're it's like with, with physical items, when we're 
not so in a scarcity mindset, maybe that like, like I have to, to hang on, like to hanging it or on. I have to yeah. get it all more relaxed. And yeah, no, I mean, uh, this is the person in front of me. I'm giving my full attention to this person. Maybe our life becomes better, I think. Absolutely. Well, one of the examples that I love from my recent house purge is my closet. I mean, I literally got rid of half of the clothes in my closet and it just feels so much better to look in it and see all those things like the things that I love that I wear over and over that make me feel good when I put them on and having all that other stuff takes time and energy. And you just think about how you feel when you look at it, like, oh, that's old. Oh, I have no clothes. Oh, I don't like any of this stuff. I hate that color. Like it does kind of influence you. And probably a lot of it is subconscious, subtle ways. But once I cleared that out, I was, I thought I love everything in here. And it also made me realize what do I need now? You know, it allows you to get clear and really see where the holes are. And I'm sure that could be figurative, you know, let's say in your social life, if you are the type of person that is friendly to everybody because you just have a lot of friends and you, but you give a little bit to each friend when you start curating and becoming conscious of the ones that are most important that you want to give your best to, you might realize, wow, you know, I don't really have a friend that likes to be active with me. I want to find someone who can add that richness to my life. So it allows you to find the ways to enrich too, to make, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, totally. And and the example with the closet, I it, this is a, a thing I help a lot of clients with because as women, especially then we hang on to certain things that we fit in when we were younger. And it's not necessarily always about the weight, but maybe we in a way think, oh, it's not appropriate anymore to wear this, but we still keep it. And then we have several things like that. And we open the closet it's very hard early in the morning already. We have to weed through, okay, what can I actually wear compared to when you actually love everything in your closet, everything fits and you love it. It doesn't like, mm. it doesn't matter. It's like you start the day winning because no matter what you pull out, you're going to love. No. So. Um, well, and you think about that psychological impact of looking at the dress that doesn't fit you anymore yeah. because you've gained weight or something. How's that going to make you feel? Not good. Is it even motivating? Probably not. Probably right? not. And it's not not even just about gaining weight, but as women, our or, I don't know so much about men, but because I have a woman's body, as women, our body changes. No, we get older, it changes. Oh, the we, men's we bodies not... change too, Connie, yeah. trust me. Yeah, the, <laughs> the, the scale may still show more or less the same weight, but your your whole body oh, became different. And that around. might be a reason mm. why the dress doesn't look flattering on, on, on us anymore or or like I said, and we're also changing, we're growing up, we're not the same person as we were at 20 or 25. No, we would be kind of odd if we were. <laughs> so and, and like you said, it is psychologically, it's and this is why I say if you have a closet full of things that you love, it's a win win, you start with a win in the morning, if you have, you have to weed through your closet to see what fits and what doesn't fit or what, yeah. you know, it 
you start your day it like it's challenging already it's already not flowing yes yeah, yeah and not with That's a good awesome. feeling and i like i said i often just focus on how does it make me feel how does my closet make me feel does my closet yes. make me feel good or does my closet make me feel like a loser or like i can't get my act together or i can't look and realizing pretty. we have the power to change that yeah. we don't have to look at our closet and feel that way no and asking no. what would change that organizing it yes getting rid of things yes what can you yeah. add to it too right yeah yeah. Like, especially now, everybody always says like how unpredictable the world became and how we have nothing under control and how it's so hard. But this in your own home, that's where you have control. No. So yeah, I'm not saying it makes the world, the scary world out there better, but it helps if you have a home that makes you feel good. At least that part makes you feel good, no? And then maybe yeah. you have more energy and more, more mental capacity to deal with the unpredictability that we right now face in the world, you know? Yeah, you're showing up for yourself and, and setting yourself up to feel good from the get-go. Yeah, and we spend more time at home than ever. I think it's crucial we surround ourselves in an environment that makes us feel good, that lifts us up, that's inspiring. I think it's good to surround yourself in general, whether it's what you watch on TV or what you read or what you scroll or, you know, curating that very intentionally and carefully to ensure those are things that you want to be absorbing and soaking in. Yeah. I've gotten a lot more conscious about that. And that's a whole nother element we could get into is digital clutter. But I did want to ask, so when clients come to you, what does that usually look like? How do they start? Like, what's the co initial conversation? Does it usually start as physical clutter that they want to work around? Or tell us about that. Yeah. Most people come with physical clutter. Most people kind of relate clutter to physical clutter. They are mm. often surprised to hear. They, they may know paper clutter. Maybe they heard about digital clutter. Who knows? But a lot of them are not aware that there's so much more to clutter, like that literally that there is a social, emotional, mental, spiritual clutter even. And so, yeah, most come overwhelmed, not knowing where to start, or they have tried to do it on their own and couldn't do it for whatever reason. And so, yeah, they come with their physical clutter. They say, I don't feel good in my home or I have too much stuff, I have to get rid of it, but I don't know how. And, and one of the interesting thing that often happens when people start to declutter, either because they think they have to, or it really comes from a need from inside, they always try to do the hardest thing first. <laughs> and this is often the reason why it's then not that easy or why they can't do it on their own. Because they start with the most emotional charged things, which is usually what? Can you give an example? Anything that you are sentimentally attached, or again, like if we take the closet, they try to declutter that one dress that they hope to fit in and they can't mm. let that one go, you know? And I always say like, well, there is so much more that you could maybe start letting go first. 
to, mm-hmm. to create a different atmosphere or in their home. Like I, I often my clients are over 40 and they may have parents who passed already. So then maybe they mm-hmm. took on some stuff from their parents and then they try to declutter that first, which is also probably not the the ideal way to start because this is so charged emotionally. No, whether or not you had a good relationship with your parents or not, this is um, not the right place. But yeah, so most people, even though you can Google, and I don't remember how many million of hits you get when you Google how to declutter, but I mean, there is literally no reason to not know how to declutter and still it's um very hard to do because there is more to clutter than just okay do that do that and just throw everything out that you don't like you know so how do you recommend they start where do you begin with someone that's maybe struggling and that has a bunch of their parents stuff sitting in their garage or attic mm-hmm. that they need to go through and then the rest of their house ha- is you know not an ideal, inspiring setup. How do you get started? Yeah. So if the house has clutter and they have stuff in the garage, so when when there is both, it's a different approach than if they have their own houses, like good and they love it and it's just the parents stuff. So I want to make that distinction. But so in general, I start with the positive. I always say like, let's take a love tour. That's how I call it. Let's take Mm -hmm. a love tour. Let's Walk through your home and find all the things that you love and figure out why do you love it? How does it make you feel? And then we go from there. So it's kind of like from inside out. So if Mm. there is an area in your home that you actually love, but it is maybe overshadowed by some chaos, we can start there. And it's all individual, you know, like we're all individual people. If Googling would work, then we could just put a like a, a program over every single person and it would it would uh, yeah have a checklist or something exactly yeah. most of the time it doesn't help so another approach is let me ask that- one quick question about yeah, that sure. so when you do that with your clients are they surprised like are they aware of what they know they love because i think sometimes we walk like unconscious in our environment where that word again, desensitized to what's around us. You know, when I read that worthiness book, I really started realizing what areas of my home I loved and Mm -hmm. what felt really good. And you and I talked a little bit about one of the exercises that author does is ask you to look at your bedroom and take a picture of it with your iPhone and look at it and ask yourself, is this a place that is restful and rejuvenating Mm -hmm. and feels good and calm and like a sanctuary. And a lot of people just don't even have never gave it any thought, you know, didn't realize, Mm -hmm. but what do you see when you're working with Mm -hmm. your clients? No, that's exactly it. So most because we live in our home, because we often also kind of like live hectic lives or just have blinders on, we don't even pay attention. So I have a lot of surprised clients. Yeah, it's uh, even like some come back and say, hmm, I was just thinking like, I don't even need this in here. I don't even know why I have this in here. I didn't even realize I have this in here. And, you know, like you get all kinds of very surprised comments. And so this is why I actually also do it because I'm all about the awareness and how does it make you feel? And Mm. we're often, especially the more 
clutter we're surrounding ourselves with. The clutter is not just the physical stuff. It stands for something. Oftentimes, we're trying to protect ourselves from the uh, overwhelming world with having a lot of stuff around us that then starts to feel familiar. And we don't even realize that the familiarity of the stuff and all this stuff around us is also keeping us like stuck. It also keeps us, it's heavy. And we, we don't even pay attention to that anymore because we're so used to that's just how it is. And I mean, I have had clients who go through hoops and loops to get something. And I say, well, could we not put this maybe somewhere else? And then you wouldn't have to go through hoops and loops. Oh, I never thought of it. So the love tour actually helps with that. No, it's um, mm. it's not just a five minute thing where you walk through your house like you always do. And love oh, it, yeah, love yeah. it, love it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's it's again, it's about slowing down and you and feel. you you may yeah. know already. I don't know how you felt when you went through your home, but in a way, if we're actually listening, we kind of know where our favorite spots are, and then mm. but we haven't been there and actually really felt how it feels there. So that's kind of what the love tour does too. Yeah. I think so often, so many people are like disembodied from themselves. They're not paying attention to how things make them feel, whether it's a relationship or being in your home or your workspace. And once you start turning on that light and paying attention, it's like, you are igniting a spark of inspiration to and inviting like the best version of yourself to come forward. I mean, imagine if everything you did was around making yourself feel good and inspiration, Mm -hmm. how could that change how you move and, and act in the world? How could that influence your relationships? How, you work, how you love your kids or how you show up for your parents or whatever, you know, even how you make a dinner. If you Mm -hmm. hate your kitchen, if it has dark lighting and you have old pots and pans that are, you know, ruined and scratched, like what if you spent the time replacing them one at a time? Or one thing I did that week is I opened my linen closet and I had old sheets and mismatched towels that I don't know why I kept those. I was like, I might need these one day and I don't want to have to buy new ones. Like I don't need new ones, but I just was kind of ruthless. And I pulled out everything that didn't feel good, you know, older faded towels or ones that have bleach stains out of there. And now I open up that linen closet. It's like halfway full, (laughs) but it makes me feel good and special mm-hmm. and like I'm a guest that's being treated well in my own house. Kind of that feeling that I get when I walk into a nice hotel and I open the closet and the robe and slippers are there, you know, it's like, oh gosh, yeah, you feel you feel pampered and you feel important and you feel good. Yeah, and, and just imagine what a ripple effect that is when instead of feeling bad about yourself or frustrated, like you open the linen closet, everything falls towards you or you don't find anything or whatever you're taking (laughs) out, you don't like and you think, oh, darn, this has a rip in it or this is has a, um, a stain on it or whatever. And then somebody comes, maybe your child or your partner or you 
a friend and says something and you're already like in a tense or in a frustrated or just not in your best emotional state. And when, like you said, when you now open it, you look like you're like, "Ah." yeah. (laughs) And we could, we could even say like, you're taking care of yourself the same way as you would of your children. If you have children or like oftentimes we would never let anybody else tolerate what we ourselves tolerate. No. And this is why I'm saying like, look around and see what are you tolerating? What kind of kitchen are you tolerating? What kind of bedroom are you tolerating? And I love that she in that book started with the bedroom because one of the experiences I have is, especially with women, when I help women declutter or Mm. just creating a supportive environment is they often have the living room looks quite nice. The kitchen is okay too. And if they uh, expect visitors or family or whatever, whatever doesn't look nice in their perception, how they need to present their home ends up in Mm. their bedroom and never gets back out of there. And I come in these bedrooms and I'm like, oh my God, you know, and I'm like, are you sleep? Are you, do you like, have a how good is that sleep? restful? Yeah. yeah. Do you have a good night's sleep? Oh, no, I don't sleep well. Well, okay. Do you think maybe if we create a calmer environment, maybe that would help to sleep better? And there's actually scientific studies that confirm this. There is, I love it. Um, like when just 10 years ago, when I started to tell people, well, just make sure how does it make you feel? And that has an effect how you act in or how you're treating your environment, how you treat yourself and everything. People always thought like, yeah, yeah, it's a little woo-woo, it's a little out there. And now we actually, I can, I can point to yeah. scientific research that actually they could prove with brain waves and whatever that we are reacting to our environment, especially mm-hmm. when we're sleeping too. Like if the environment environment is not calm, if we have like TVs and clutter and piles and piles of stuff, or even if we work from home and we have to have the business stuff in the bedroom, Mm. that the sleep is just not as good because our brain and our unconscious gets constantly pulled over to these things. And we do have to remember that whatever we're surrounding ourselves with, our brain whether we consciously aware of it or not, has to keep track of it. Like the brain is very smart. It starts to filter out. That's why a lot of people don't see their own clutter. That's why taking a photo is actually a good thing because on a photo, you're all of a sudden seeing the clutter when you're just walking in your house, unless you're doing maybe the love tour when Connie says to do a love tour. (laughs) You don't see it because our brain protects itself by blocking this stuff out. But that doesn't mean the brain doesn't need energy to block this out and also to keep track of all this stuff. And so that's why we are not sleeping good either in rooms that are just over full and stuffed with things that have nothing to do with sleep and rest. So. Yeah, and that's why oh, I could go on with that forever. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm very, I get very no, passionate because great. this is where the self love comes in. It doesn't have yeah. to be the, the 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 fancy spa outings and bubble baths and bubble baths and everything. Just look in your own home how it makes you feel. There's so much potential there. Yes, and it doesn't have to be expensive. I mean, a lot of what I did 
was not even replacing anything. It did make me clear about the things I wanted to add in the coming year. I have like a list of, Mm -hmm. and some of them are pretty simple changes, like changing out pictures and frames that I already have or things like that. But a lot of it was just moving things around and just taking out a lot of stuff that just wasn't really serving me anymore that I didn't need that wasn't you know, yeah. just wasn't inspiring. So, so you do the love tour. What were you, and before I, you know, ambushed you with another question, <laughs> what is another method that you start with your clients? Yeah. Another approach is to focus on the so-called low hanging fruit. So anything that you don't really have to think too much, like, and, and start in a room that is not emotionally charged. And <laughs> I have a funny story with that because like for a while, I always said like we could start in the laundry room or we could start in the kitchen or in the in the bathroom. Those are usually not so emotionally charged areas. And then I had a client once and she said, oh, I actually would like to start in the laundry room because that drives me nuts, this like cluttered laundry room. And it turned out to be one of her most emotional rooms because she was collecting kitchen towels from wherever she was traveling to. And oh, so... So, uh, so again, it's very individual, which rooms are not so emotionally charged. But when I'm talking with my client, so we talk in the beginning quite a bit. So we're not just, I'm not just arriving or we're on Zoom and I'm not just saying, okay, let's make a plan and let's go. We're, We're talking a lot first. So then I can kind of hear that out. And with that individual client, she had a clear wish she wanted to start there. And I didn't realize it was so emotionally charged. So, but in general, I would say like bathrooms, kitchens, pantry, maybe pantry, pantry. Yes. Could also be sure. Yeah. So start there and then start with the things that you don't have to think too much, like not like, Mm. oh, should I keep this or not? You know, like start with all the things. Oh, this can go. This can go. This can go. I haven't met a client yet who didn't have items like this. Start with that where you don't have to think, oh, yeah, this can I I don't know why I still have this. Okay, let go of that. Mm -hmm. Let go of that. Let go of that. Just then we're getting the ball rolling. I always say like, Literally start with what is not emotionally charged, what you know already, what is easy. Make your life easy, even when you're decluttering, you know, start there. And then because it helps you build your decluttering muscle, that is one of the reasons why a lot of people who try to declutter before and may have succeeded, but only short term or may have not succeeded crashed and burned in the middle of it and felt, oh, I can't do that is because we're taking on too much. So another suggestion I always have is if you start, start with a few minutes a day. So another saying besides the decluttering yourself love is I say a few minutes a day keeps the chaos away. So start small. So I don't know for you, it might have been different because you were so inspired by the book. So you maybe didn't go just a few minutes a day. But in general, I would suggest you start small. You don't say, oh, I do the whole linen closet. I do one shelf in the linen linen closet and then give myself permission to walk away if I want to walk away and say, okay, I did enough. And then maybe do the next day more rather than waiting or planning a whole weekend where you wanted to do that. 
So yeah, because then you keep procrastinating because it exactly. feels like such a big project. I think even a little thing, like try one little thing, for example, mm-hmm. something that kind of comes up for me as a cluttery thing regularly is my pen holder on mm-hmm. my desk, which mm-hmm. ends up having like highlighters that are dried out and mm-hmm. pencils from my kids. I don't even use pencils. And I like one kind of pen. It's a very special, this is what it is. It's a Uniball Vision Elite in mm-hmm. dark navy blue. It's the only pen I ever use. That's all that needs to be in there. So I could spend five minutes and clean out my little pen holder and feel a lot better, you know, just yeah. from that one little thing. And then the next day doing the right-hand drawer while I'm on a conference call that I don't have to pay a lot of attention to, or, you know, something like that. Like that's kind of how I operate on general maintenance, but I'm the type of person that loves the big impact. Like when I did the linen closet, I dumped everything out and I just need Mm -hmm. that gratification of the big sweep cleanup, you know, Mm -hmm. and I happen to have the time that week too, but yeah. Yeah. So again, everybody is different. Yeah. For most people, I just noticed. And that doesn't mean you may not do the whole linen closet. I just always say, like, focus on the on one shelf so that, like, in your case, you had everything dumped out. No. And then Mm -hmm. if you would have been somebody who then can't finish for some reason, maybe you come across something that stresses you out or something else happens, somebody calls and three hours later, you realize, oh, I have the whole hallway full of towels and bed linens. That's why I'm often saying just start with a shelf or sometimes even just have a shelf if it's a big closet. But again, we're all so different. If it would be just one size fits all, we could all Google it and we could all just do it and nobody would suffer from clutter. (laughs) um... Well, and I love that you respect that. I'm sure your interactions with your clients are a little bit like therapy over time. And, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you was because my mom has a lot of stuff. They have a five bedroom home and it's just my mom and dad. And she just collects, you know, she just has a lot of stuff. As you said, she has a very unique situation. She was a World War II refugee and lost everything. So I think when she got settled as a young mom and lived in a home and was able to, you know, afford to buy things, she does things like buys like a bunch of cocktail napkins, like 10 packages of them or something. Or I tried to clean out her pantry one time when I was there and I found a bunch of jars of expired maraschino cherries. Okay. When are you ever using maraschino cherries? Like show me the last time you've ever had one in anything. And she came over and she was like, Oh, these are still good. Like we, we don't need to throw these out. I'm like, mom, these expired five years ago. Like this is going to explode in your pantry and cause (laughs) like an injury. It's out of here. I almost needed to do it with her not there. But I think, as you said, we're different people. I've moved nine times in 19 years of my marriage. I'm now divorced. And each time we moved, I got rid of stuff. So I don't get attached. I That was probably 
my way of coping was not allowing myself to attach to things. Mm -hmm. And she, that was her healing was attaching to things like it made her feel safe. So what's your advice for, you know, kind of helping her try to make some headway? (laughs) Yeah. You may not like my advice. <laughs> Leave her so alone, I, right? <laughs> Let her be. Not necessarily. No, not necessarily. We don't have to go from one extreme to the other. But I think the more you nag or the more you kind of tell her, the less headway you're making. My thing is always, and I always reassure my clients, I will never tell you that you have to throw something out. It's not my place. Mm. And it's similar for you with your mom. It's not your place. But what you could have, you could get learn so much from your mom or get so much closer by asking her what it means to her, for example. What yeah, what does it mean oh, I love for that. her. Because you said she was in the war. So we don't we have no clue. We have no idea how it is to lose everything unless you had maybe a, a fire and you lost your whole house because of a fire or something. Mm. But when people come from traumatic events like this, we can't know what it means. And these uh, cherries may mean to her that she doesn't have to have be hungry. You know, you never yeah. know. So, and this is how I help my clients. You ask questions, you ask, what does it mean? What, how does it make you feel? Why does it mm. make you feel safe? Or why does it make you feel good? And in this discussions or conversations like this without being pushy, you know, like if she doesn't mm-hmm. want to say anything, you you can't pull it out of her in a kind way. So you, you have to be then you uh, have to let it be. Yeah, let, let, it, let be, it be maybe. But you could learn a completely different side of a person. And mm. also something activates in that person because she does start to think then, what I talked earlier, you may become aware and say, oh, okay, so these cherries, they actually make me feel safe. Does that make sense in today's world that these yeah. cherries still make me feel safe? Or maybe I can let them go because I actually have safe enough. Now. Yeah. And, and they can think back and say, okay, the last 40 years I had enough to eat. So I probably don't have to hang on to these cherries anymore or something along that line you know but Mm, it's the same like when people ask me oh my spouse is so messy what can I do to get him to do or her to do what I you can't and the more you nag the less they're gonna do in your case of course that's exactly what the problem for you is if they don't take care of all this you will have to because that's often what happens with my clients too they get left with a house uh, their parents move on or mm-hmm. have to move into assistant living can't take everything along there you know and then you have to go as the as their child to go and clean out the house and take care of it yeah. all and that's okay i'll do it i'm gonna have to do it it's you can do clear, it but like i do have, yeah. <laughs> love the advice that you gave to get curious, ask yeah. questions, and yeah. how can that give you a deeper understanding of that person rather than just jumping to, you shouldn't be doing this, you know? Yeah. 
It's and also it makes her feel better when you come by. Just imagine when you're when you would talk a lot about, oh, you should clean this up and why do you have all this? And then you come mm-hmm. over, she's already anticipating that you're maybe making comments like this rather than yeah. if you're just asking. So why does the old DVD player or the VCR with all these videos, why 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 do you keep this? Why? Why might be the better question mm-hmm. than why do you need this? You just let go of it or Let's something. get rid of it. Get it yeah. out of here. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's funny because then mm-hmm. it sort of allows them to get to the answer themselves where they, like you were saying, they can realize, well, I have it because I have all these DVDs that I love. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but will I really take that out and connect it and like put the DVDs in? I mean, can I get these? Can I download them digitally? Like, you know, getting there on their own. Are there even movies that I want to see again or maybe not? Or can I just keep the ones that I actually really want to watch again or? Yeah, that's a good start. Yeah. So what if someone has a box of items that came from someone that passed either a friend or a parent or a spouse, you know, mm-hmm. how do you suggest approaching that? If it's just one box, why not just keep it? You know, it's like I am I, literally I'm not promoting that you have to get rid of everything. Mm. If you have a keepsake box about from someone, then have it. The only thing that I may suggest is if you're really missing this person because it passed on, why not find something that you can actually either see every day so this person is more present or use every day? And I, I often give the example of Love my, grandmother's, that. my grandmother's cooking pot. So she was still alive when I got it because she was a strong woman. She moved herself into assisted living and dissolved her whole household herself. And she called me over and she said, and I was maybe, I was still very young. I was 14, 15, maybe. So I didn't have my own household. And she asked me, she said, is there anything in here that you would want? You know, and, Mm -hmm. and I don't know why, because I don't even, I'm not like, I don't love cooking. I can cook. I can cook pretty good. But I said, I want to have your cooking pot. Don't ask me why. So for some reason. And now I love this pot to cook in. So when I pull this out, I make chilies in there or I make just like goulash or something like that, you know. And I pull it out and I say, hi. And I called her Nonna because we had some Italian family members from Italy that are family Mm -hmm. members. So her her name for us was Nonna. That's the Italian name for grandmother. So when I pull out that, that pot, I say, Oh, hi, Nonna. Now we're cooking together. And, and I I encourage Mm -hmm. people if they can find something that they can incorporate into their household, either it's a beautiful picture, or it is, like I said, it could be silverware, it could be a cooking pot, it could be a a mug that they drink their first coffee out of it. Because a lot of people always tell me, well, I couldn't get rid of it, because that would be disrespectful. And I want to honor the person who, who passed. But are you really honoring the person who passed if you have it in a box in the garage in the dustiest and darkest corner stuffed away? Are you? I'm not saying you're not, but are you? Is that the way you do want to honor them? So that's kind of what I 
talk with my clients with. And again, I'm not never the one who says, you need to do this or you should do this. We could talk about the should word, especially with us women, <laughs> also for another episode. I'm just making suggestions or I'm saying you could use it this way or you could think that way. But ultimately, it's your decision. That's where I say that's where we have our own control. No, do we want to keep this thing? Is this really making us feel good? This is where we have our control, where we need to take our control. A lot of us give the control away where we actually have the control and complain that we have no control over our life, but at the same time are not taking control. Well, yeah. I, first of all, that was such a beautiful story about your Nona. And of course, Italians love, love, love to cook and it's the best food ever. So that's so fitting. And mm -hmm. I love that it just kind of downloaded into you to choose that item. Like you didn't overthink it and analyze it and make the positives and negatives and think I should pick this because it's most valuable or something. You just kind of went with your heart. It's just amazing that you use it all the time. Yeah. That's such a great story. And so it's, beautiful. it's just to add to this story. So when I did my training to, because like I was always, like I said, organized So in the corporate world that can help people with their business organization and, and office organization, no problem. But when it comes to household, there's so much emotions involved, often grief mm. involved. So I took some extra training. And one of the questions in that training was, if your house were on fire, what would you take out of your house? And mm. to me, it would definitely be this pot. <laughs> I mean, That's this pot incredible. is one of the first things. And I moved many times too. I moved from Switzerland to Canada. This pot came with me. In my marriage, we moved in the in five years, I think we moved six or seven times. So it's kind of crazy. But this pot, like if anything happens, this is more or less the first thing I go and get the pot. So. But you know what I think that's really about is it's giving ourselves permission to value what we value, mm -hmm. not what we should value. And mm -hmm. one of the stories I want to tell that we had talked about in our preparation call was this habit we have of making things special in our lives that are too special to be used. Mm -hmm. And that's goes into kind of worthiness, I think too. And also our perception of the importance of something, not necessarily the reality of it, but one year, some girlfriends gave me a Louis Vuitton handbag. I had wanted a really nice handbag for a long time. They were super special friends and got together and got me this bag. I was totally surprised and overwhelmed and, and loved it, but didn't really feel deserving of it in a weird way. I don't know if I was consciously like that, but I love this bag so much, but I was a little afraid of it. I wouldn't take it on airplanes and I wouldn't set it down on the ground. I was very careful with it. The one thing I did do is I would have it in my car when I would go into yoga or go for a hike. And one time I went on a hike on a day that I was taking a trip. I was going to Europe on business, and that, but it, the flight wasn't till later. And I had the handbag in the backseat of the car hidden under things and door locked and everything. Well, I got towed and I got towed to a parking lot that was a tow lot that was like 
45 minutes to an hour from where I was. And I had a full blown panic attack because I was going on this trip. Long story short, I was not able to get my car before I left and got on this flight to London. And by the time I landed in London, my phone was blowing up that my car had been broken into and the bag had been stolen. I didn't even care about my ID or my credit cards. I was like, screw that, my bag, God dang it. And it's kind of funny because energetically, I almost feel like it was never mine because I never felt like I deserved it. And I treated it in this, the energy I had with this bag was so weird. It didn't feel good. I don't even know what the answer is, but you know, I never quite accepted this fully. I never received it because I just felt like it was too special and too expensive and I didn't deserve it. So I would act very differently, I think now, but I think we do that sometimes with things like I recently took out our family heirloom silver that I got for my wedding and polished it for Christmas. And after I read that book, I was like, you know what? I'm keeping the silver out and I'm going to use it every day. Mm -hmm. And I do that now. I don't have it hidden away and just take it out at what Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, three days a year. My grandmother wouldn't want me to live like that. She, Mm -hmm. she would want me to use it every single day. And so now I do. And it's exactly what you're saying is I think of my Norwegian grandparents every time I pull out, you know, a knife and fork, the Mm -hmm. silverware, it's just beautiful. And it, Mm -hmm. it's life changing. Once you allow yourself, you give yourself the permission. That's all you need. It's you giving yourself permission. Nobody's telling you, you have to stash that away, you know? Exactly. And, and just to validate what you just said, there is actually a scientific study around this and they called it the specialness spiral. So now when you get something and you find it, it's special and then you're not using it because it's too special to use. The more you're not using it, even for special occasions, the more special it becomes. And the tragic about it is then it becomes actually clutter because you're not using it. You're just mm. having it. It's just boxed up somewhere because you're too afraid of it or it's too special to use. And eventually you may get rid of it just because you never use it. No, it, it has a, a, um, a steep fall all of a sudden. And the scientist who actually did the study, he talked about it could be even everyday items. I think he talked about his issue was a pair of shoes that he had and then he never wore because they were always too special to wear. And in the end, he had to throw them out because they were out of fashion or something like that. So it it, it doesn't even have to be like a Louis Vuitton bag that costs a lot of money. It could be, I think he even made a comment about a bottle of wine who wasn't even such an expensive wine and other people had issues with socks. So our brain is funny, you know, and it does have a lot to do with self-worth because the minute you think this is too special to use now, you can ask yourself, well, why? Why? What, What does have to happen that the occasion is special enough that this item who was produced to be used most items are produced to be used, should be used. Like what? Yeah. who says, who says, you know, it's like, that's the other thing. And like I said, I mean, I could talk about stuff like this all day long, 
But oftentimes, too, it's like who even up here says that this is too special or I'm not worthy of it? Whose voice is it? It it often is not even your own voice. It is some should voice or some... Or an uh, old parent story too. Yeah. Parent, mm-hmm. teacher, maybe somebody mm-hmm. when you were little made a stupid comment or you heard something on a TV show. It could even be you were on a TV show and they were talking about the silverware is only being taken out when it's Christmas, Easter and, and Thanksgiving. And then you think, oh, okay, well, that's what I have to do too. It's not even your own voice, you know? Yeah. Well, I've shifted my story on all that stuff completely because mm. I feel like, you know what? We're here on this planet to be the best version of ourselves. And part of that means we're supposed to feel good. And by doing that, we project more good and positivity in life. Like that is our, our birthright, but it's also our obligation. We have a responsibility. So it kind of shifts your view on it that, you know, step into that with, bold empowerment, you know, and let yourself feel good and don't feel a moment of guilt or regret. What if you get hit by a bus tomorrow? Wear your Louis Vuitton handbag and use your silver. You know, you just don't know how life's going to change and you may as well, you know, go all in. I love that. Yeah, exactly. And I drank a very expensive bottle of wine (laughs) on a very, you know, everyday day. It was probably like a Tuesday or something. And you know what? It was so fun. Oh my gosh. I had the best time. It felt so indulgent and amazing. I loved it. You can declare a regular Tuesday as a special occasion. Yeah. No, I mean, it's so great. That's what I'm saying. Who says, you know? Who says, yes. So any last advice for everybody in regards to decluttering, whether it's emotional or physical, anything that you feel like maybe we didn't cover? No, I think you, we covered a lot. I just want to reiterate, just start paying attention how it makes you feel. You know, it's like literally just, and it doesn't, you don't have to meditate for half an hour in a corner or something. Just sit in, in your home, sit in a chair and just pay attention for a minute or two. How does it make me feel? How does the environment make me feel? Try to look at it with fresh eyes, or you could go grocery shopping and come home and pretend that you're coming to your home the first time. How does it make you feel when you come into your home? Does it make you feel good? Or are you noticing that it already is a little bit frustrating because there's all this stuff laying around or or you're having to climb over things or you can't put anywhere your handbag or your keys or your wallet down because there is nowhere to do that? It doesn't always have to be cluttered too. It could just be that it is furnished in a way that is not working with how you how you function no like if when I come in I need somewhere to put things down so I can take off my jacket if I have no place to put things down I notice I get a little and it doesn't have to be much but it get a little bit of an irritation no so yeah and and again I I don't live in a perfect Instagram home I want to say that too that often people think I live in this Instagram worthy home it's not about that. It is about that when you 
go about your day, whether you're working from home or not, that it flows, that you feel good. And that's my biggest mm. message. Pay attention how it makes you feel, your environment. Yes, yes. So a couple quick questions before we wrap up. What are you reading these days? Do you have any good books or it could be Audible? Any book yeah. recommendations? Right now I'm reading Higher Purpose by Robert Holden, which I like. Uh, it has also a lot to do with self-worth and self-love, which I was not really aware of when I started to read the book. But somehow I was drawn to this book. I heard him on a podcast and I thought it was had an interesting perspective. He had also used to, uh, he wrote more books than this. This is not his first one. And he had a project called The Happiness Project and everything. So I, I read that one. I really loved it. Another book I read last year was Love Yourself as If Your Life Depends on It was called. It, it has a very interesting cover. And what is, what is interesting about it is he is a serial entrepreneur from California and he was very much in corporate and having businesses and living the fast life. And then something happened and he had to find himself and, and he has literally step by step instructions how he managed to love himself. And so I felt that was because a lot of people don't even know how to love themselves. So I thought that one or was even what that means. I think for a long time, I was like, what does that mean? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And coming from him, and he even talks about it, you find YouTube videos where he talks about it and he says, Yeah, and then here I come business owner, a successful business owner talking about self love. So it's kind of like, I love the contradiction to it in a way too, but yes. it's, it's a beautiful book, a beautiful book. If you don't mm. know what it would look like to love yourself or what that even means, I think that is a really good book to start with. Mm. I haven't read that one. I'm excited. These are two good, good suggestions. Can't wait to check them out. So what about music? What's on your Spotify or iTunes playlist? What do you like to listen to? Yeah, I can't even. So when I grew up, my um, favorite artist was Bruce Springsteen. So I'm still kind of keeping an eye out what he's doing. He's still kicking it. <laughs> he's still uh, putting that. out new music. What's your I favorite always... Bruce song? Badlands, probably. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> it's a pretty... So I, I love energetic music. So mm -hmm. I, yes, ballads and stuff like that sometimes, but most of the time I actually like when there is action going on. And uh, so I always used to say, I don't have a boss because I was fairly young, 27, I believe, when I became a freelance consultant. So I always said, I have no boss. I only have one boss and that's the boss, Bruce Springsteen. So that, but in general, I'm very open. I listen to European uh, or to a Swiss radio station. I listen to a lot of young artists too that are most likely not even known here in North America. I don't have a genre that I say, oh, I only listen to that. I can, I can listen to fairly like all, all the way up to heavy metal, but also all the way to classical music. So I'm pretty have a big range. Another artist I found during the pandemic, actually, that I'm so impressed with is Dimash Kudaibergen. Uh, he's a, from Kazakhstan. 
They say he is the best singer in the world. He can sing like a female opera singer and he can sing hmm. like a male tenor. Wow. He make more and more modern music. When he was younger, he was kind of singing in an operatic fashion. He always had his own style, but it was more like like opera and now he he does more modern stuff he has a song that he was a big michael jackson fan or he's a big michael jackson fan so he has now a song that you hear it that michael jackson was the inspiration for mm. the song he has such an awesome voice certain music certain songs he sings it sounds like angels are singing and i'm not exaggerating so that's another oh, one. Oh, i can't wait to check him out that's so fun i've never heard of him yeah sounds very interesting he had a he had before the pandemic he had in new york i think three concerts in a row all sold out mm. in the big what's the famous thing in madison in, square garden yeah, or something like that i don't know okay. so it was all sold out and then then of course the pandemic hit so yeah. but he's he he's big in china he is big in um in europe and he has a lot of fans here in north america too so check him out oh i will well thank you so much connie it was a pleasure it was so fun talking to you and i felt you know connected to you right away yeah die deutsche sprache emotion <laughs> you know, yeah. to go that direction sometimes. It's yeah. sehr schön. Yeah. Danke vielmals. It was uh, a pleasure and an honor to be on your podcast. I really enjoyed myself. I love talking about these topics, as you noticed. <laughs> yeah, you're changing lives and in ways where people probably don't realize how much transformation is going to happen. They probably think it's going to be one thing and then it's yeah. So much more and yeah. so much better. I love it when that happens. Yeah. Thanks, Connie. Thank you so much, Nina. Thanks for joining today's episode of See the Upside podcast. For more details about today's guest and show notes and links, visit our website at seetheupside.com. You can find us on Instagram at c.theupside and Facebook at See the Upside. If you love today's show, please spread the light by giving us a rating or sharing it with a friend. We appreciate you so much and love sharing the positivity with anyone who could be inspired by it. We're all on a beautiful journey and it's so much more fun doing it together and sharing our stories with each other along the way. Can't wait till next time.